Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer. Alongside me is Gavin Struve. Gavin, how are you doing today? I'm feeling strangely refreshed. Okay. You know why? That's because college basketball season yes, is right sir. around the corner. It is. We're going to be diving into a little bit of that on today's episode, as well as previewing Nebraska football's game against Minnesota coming up here this Saturday and talking a little bit briefly about the Illinois game and where the quarterback situation goes from here. Um, But right away, we're going to dive into the Minnesota preview. Um, Gavin, I know you kind of dove into this extensively with your scouting report of Minnesota. Um, How did that go for you? And uh, what did you find out for us? Uh, It went well, I hope. Um, I, I didn't expect myself to have much fun writing this one because I've kind of tried to temper my expectations for this game. Um, I'm not so sure that it's going to be a super close game, as the spread would indicate, mm-hmm. um, if Casey Thompson doesn't play. But, um, yeah, Minnesota is just a – strangely, just a fun team to write about. Interesting. Um, I'm not the biggest P.J. Fleck guy or believer. Um, <laughs> I don't know your feelings on that or if we need to dive into that, but – um, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty good program. I wrote that it's kind of a program that Nebraska would like to muddle itself after um, as much pushback as you would get on that statement five years ago even. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a good team. They're probably going to win eight games this year. And um, to spoil it, I think we're probably set for a similar outcome um, as last week if Casey Thompson doesn't play. But it being a um, – Relatively low-scoring, more defensive-minded Big Ten West team. There's always a chance for a low-scoring stalemate and a close game. Yeah, Minnesota hasn't exactly impressed so far this year, but coming into the year, we knew that they were going to be at least a solid team. I think they've—I would say they'd under underperformed a little bit so far this season, um, not really competing with teams like Illinois or Purdue, but still a solid team at that. I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I understand that Casey's you know still up in the air. But man, what what is it? Seventeen and a half right now. That is a yeah. It's that's like a tough line. I, I I don't even know if Minnesota's won any Big Ten games by that margin, other than Rutgers. So, um, you know, obviously Minnesota comes off a really big win at Rutgers. Nebraska didn't do didn't fare so well against Rutgers. I know you mentioned that. I I thought that was interesting because Rutgers kind of was a scrappy team until yeah. this last week where Minnesota kind of just ran straight through them. Yeah, I, definitely. I was surprised by how comfortably they dispatched the Scarlet Knights, um, especially because I think, I don't know about you, but I think Rutgers is like at least a competent team. Yeah, um, four wins, more than Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, four and four, even though Nebraska beat them. Um, probably not a bowl team looking at the rest of their schedule, no. but probably, probably a decent five-win team, again, like Illinois was last year before we saw their renaissance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was pretty high in Minnesota. I had them, I believe they were my 25th-ranked team preseason um, I shot them embarrassingly high up the poles after that blowout <laughs> against Michigan State. Yeah, um, And then they come back to earth. They lost three games in a row, Purdue, Illinois, Penn State, all forgivable, um, and then got back on track against Rutgers. Um, what are they? They're 2-3 and three in conference play, um, which makes it very, very difficult for them to find a route to the Big Ten West title. Especially considering they already lost yeah, to they've already lost to the two teams they would yeah. need to beat. So exactly, they lost to Illinois and Purdue, who they need to beat, um, and who Nebraska's most recently played. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I don't know how much you have done um, homework on your home state team, <laughs> but uh, do you think Minnesota's 
clearly like a step below those two teams, Purdue and Illinois. I would say at this point, yes. They, they looked completely out of shape against both Purdue and Illinois. I thought Nebraska's effort against Purdue was much better. Um, obviously, Tanner Morgan went down um, as of late. And, but, you know, even, even without Morgan, I don't think you can say this Minnesota offense, you know, with him in behind under center is not still not an ex- excellent offense. So I, I, I was surprised um, to see – because after I saw Purdue kind of handle Minnesota and yeah. push them around, not a lot of teams push around Minnesota. Um, Purdue kind of pushed around Minnesota in that game. I believe it was like 20 to 10, um, somewhere around there. Yeah, 20 to 10, Purdue beat them. I was expecting Nebraska to have a similar, you know, you you'd think Nebraska would get pushed around by Purdue. Um, offensively, Nebraska was not pushed around. Defensively, everybody pushes Nebraska around. Yeah. Um, so I still think Minnesota's a step below Purdue and Illinois at this point. I would even take Wisconsin over them right now just because of really? what Wisconsin's done lately. Um, Wisconsin handled Purdue, and Minnesota wasn't able to do that. But it's just, again, it's so jumbled up there where – you just really can't tell until the games all play out. Um, but since they've already – they have no chance at the Big Ten um, title, I would still put Purdue and Illinois above them. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of touched on what you just said. I'm really interested to see how um, kind of the middle of the Big Ten West shakes out. Yeah. Because um, it looks like it looks like Illinois and Purdue are the two um, forebears at the top there. Which, given like the long-term pedigree of this program, I don't know if we can trust them to stay there. Um, but yeah, like Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken, all play each other mm-hmm. in these next few weeks. Um, and Nebraska plays each of them too. Nebraska seems like a half step below them, so it'll be interesting if if they can. I'd, I'd still predict they win one of those games. Okay. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that um, plays out because one through six, um, and we've we've rambled on at length about um, how weird and tight the Big Ten West <laughs> is, but one through six is like, there's just not that big of a difference between these teams. Right. And I think you look at it, Illinois, that Illinois Purdue game is really shaping out on who's going to play Ohio state, Michigan at the end of the season. I, I at least I, I don't think that's too controversial to say Illinois Purdue. I yeah. still think Wisconsin has more potential to run some games down the stretch here. Um, but Minnesota, man, they, they they have shown they can beat Wisconsin in that final game of the season. Um, Iowa's had their number, but I'm sure they could they could run the table. So like you said earlier, eight wins for Minnesota is not out of the question. Um, and even though they've kind of disappointed to this, you know, to this point, still not a – the Big Ten records are the same, two and three. Not exactly the same type of season for Minnesota as Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something I was kind of surprised by um, just looking at these teams' rosters is it's not – I mean, it's probably – I don't know. It's kind of like a coin flip, but there's a very strong chance that all three of those teams, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, your prototypical Big Ten West teams that have been good at it longer than Illinois and Purdue, um, good at being physical, you know, mudding things up, there's there's a pretty decent chance all of them end up winning seven or eight games, mm-hmm. um, and all three of them were four and three or worse heading into last week. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll kind of just be how they play against each other. But um, Nebraska certainly home team would like to play spoiler for the Golden Gophers this weekend, and as we talked about, that definitely hinges on Casey Thompson's availability. Absolutely. Um, if you're in interim head coach Mickey Joseph's shoes. 
who are you playing out of Logan Smothers and Chuba Purdy, assuming Casey's unavailable? I'm kind of on the Logan Smothers train at this point, especially against Minnesota. You can't turn the ball over against Minnesota. And I think, at least right now, Purdy is more likely to turn the ball over than Smothers. Yeah. Um, you know, Smothers doesn't maybe have the same potential that Purdy has, you know, that four-star recruit coming in. But we saw it last year. Smothers is able to run an offense. He did throw that pick late against Iowa. Um, but I think I think Smothers is able – if you need a ground-and-pound game, which is what it's going to have to be without Thompson against Minnesota, I think Smothers gives you the best option. If you go, you know, two passes, one run for three yards on every drive with Purdy like we saw in the second half last week against Illinois, you're going to get you're going to get boat raced by this Minnesota team who's going to do the same thing that Illinois did last week. Run the ball every single play the entire second half, super conservative, not throw the ball down the field, not give you chances to get back in it. And if you get behind against Minnesota – same thing we saw with Illinois. It's a very similar matchup, like you said. Um, so I'd roll with Smothers because I think, you know, even if it, even though it's a little bit of that Scott Frost offense with the option, yeah. um, I think that running quarterback is what you're going to need against Minnesota. Um, I, I thought it was super interesting um, in your uh, scouting report when you talked to – who did you talk to? What's his name? Theo Franz. Is that how you pronounce it? As far as I know. Okay. Um, he said <laughs> – how can Nebraska, you asked, how can Nebraska exploit Minnesota's defense? And he said quarterback needs time and take advantage of a poor um, pass rush yeah. getting into the pocket. Now, normally that would be what we want out of you know Casey Thompson. Thompson has not had much time at all this season to throw the ball. Thompson doesn't go. I don't know how much service that does to Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that obviously Nebraska would want to, want to play their one poor pass rush opponent card with Casey Thompson. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it does help, like, Nebraska um, most likely using a younger, inex- more inexper- inexperienced quarterback. Um, you'd rather them be facing a poor pass rush than a good one. You don't want Shuba Purdy going against Michigan's pass rush or Iowa's defense. That's for sure. So, I guess out of the four matchups you got left, this is the best one to have to roll out a backup. No, yeah. But yeah, I was also surprised by that um, upon doing research because Minnesota's got a dominant defense. Mm-hmm. They were good last year, as we found out, um, with Nebraska losing in Minneapolis. Um, I think it's a favorite. I'm not positive, but. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I think Nebraska was favored in most of those losses, a lot of those losses last year to the other Big Ten West teams. Yeah, but so Minnesota's defense is even more improved. I think they are fourth in um, scoring defense, and I had found that that would be the best Big Ten. Um, scoring defense in a few years now, um, if not for Illinois' yeah. current defense. Um, but yeah, they do it without a dominant pass rush. Um, they rate, they fare pretty well in interceptions or top 25, um, but in overall takeaways, um, interceptions and fumbles, they're pretty average. So it's, it's definitely fascinating how they're able to be such a lockdown defense um, without creating those big plays. Basically, they, they seem to just achieve it by... I guess, limiting big plays from their opponents. Um, but, yeah, like that that's definitely something Nebraska can look at, that poor Minnesota pass rush and feel good about um, with either a hobbled Casey Thompson or a more inexperienced player. Right. Even if Thompson does go, you may give him a little more um, time in the pocket to not get hurt. Like he's gone out in every single game this season. It's, yeah. It seems like um, maybe it won't happen. Does he suit up? That might make them want to go to with Purdy if Thompson's out. Um, if that's what they're seeing in the matchup where more time to throw might give Purdy a little chance. But from what I saw from his arm strength on against Illinois, I just don't think he's ready at all. Um, 
and so if you're going to force yourself to throw the ball downfield, I'd rather um, ha- also have the the better running option with uh, Smothers. I know Purdy is able to run the ball, but it didn't really mm-hmm. seem like he had much of much juice yeah, on much the wheels. At all. Um, not sure if that's just you know. I know Tom, uh, Mickey Joseph said he was nervous. Maybe that's it. Who knows? Um, but I, I think it's interesting to look at how similar. Like Illinois is what I thought Minnesota was going to be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess average quarterback, great run game, great defense. So I thought Minnesota would be in that position where seven and one, climbing up the ranks of the Big Ten, um, making a play at the Big Ten West. Illinois kind of stepped into that role, and so Minnesota's ability to do that thing, those same things have kind of slid down. Minnesota's also dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Um, obviously, Tanner Morgan, Ottman Bell is out for the season. Still have Ibrahim in there though, and, and we haven't talked about him yet. That that might be a problem. I, I think he's I think he's a better running back than Chase Brown. Doesn't get the ball quite as much, um, but when he does, he is dangerous to to work with. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I definitely agree. Um, and that might seem a hot take given Chase Brown leads the nation in um, yards and maybe attempts right now as well. Um, I know he's tied going into last week, but yeah, I think I think Mo Ibrahim's a superior back. Um, he's a little little lower in yards per game. Um, which he also led the Big Ten in that category mm-hmm. in 2020. But, yeah, he hasn't missed a beat this season coming off injury. Um, he's closing in on 4,000 career yards. He's incredible. Which is crazy because he's missed most of two seasons with injuries. Um, but, yeah, he's got almost triple the amount of touchdowns as Chase Brown. Um, and you saw Nebraska did a pretty solid job of limiting Chase Brown in the first half um, before Illinois kind of ran away with it in the – Momentum shifted with Thompson's injury, obviously. Um, and I still think – tell me what you think about this, but I still think Nebraska did, like, an okay, at least, like, admirable job I, against Chase yeah, Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Given a, given what Nebraska was coming into that game versus what Chase Brown was coming into that game, Nebraska – I mean, Chase Brown did what he did to every offense this season, including yeah. Minnesota – or every defense this season, including Minnesota, including Wisconsin. Um, the same thing that he's done to every team. So – Nebraska's used to having way worse performances against running backs, like we saw with Maccabee, where he just had a career day against them, against Purdue. Chase Brown kind of just had his normal performance, a lot of tar- a lot of rushes, not any huge impact plays. Obviously, they were up, so they just handed the ball to him over and over. Um, but I wasn't I, that wasn't my takeaway of the game. It was like Nebraska lost because they couldn't stop Chase Brown. Yeah, I thought they did exactly what they needed to to stop Chase Brown. Obviously, without Thompson, the offense was not going to score twenty six points. Yeah, I mean, the defense looked okay, um, especially considering that play that knocked Casey out of the game was an interception that was returned to Nebraska at 11. Mm-hmm. So that was, that mean, that pretty much yeah. set up the score. Um, and that ultimately was the difference in the game. After that, There's there was no chance once Thompson was out. Yeah, and then Nebraska had four total turnovers, and I think that Purdy's pick in the second half and then Anthony Grant's fumble in the second half set up those last two Illinois field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, you could argue that, I mean, you got to give the Illinois offense some credit. They're not trying to score; they're just trying to run out the clock. But yeah, it was like half of their points, literally thirteen of their twenty-six points, were directly set up by Nebraska turnovers. Mm-hmm. So the defense did do pretty decently. I'd give I'd give them like a B performance. Yeah, I mean, comparing the three teams: Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska. Illinois scored. 26 points against Minnesota's defense and they scored 26 points against Nebraska's offense. Yeah. Minnesota scored 14 granted Tanner Morgan went out against them and Casey Thompson, I guess Illinois just 
gets lucky with the but quarterback it, but it injuries. Is a, yeah, they're kind of like the TCU, the Big Ten in that <laughs> regard. But right. it is like a, definitely a bigger blow to Nebraska to lose their quarterback than absolutely Minnesota's, I think it's fair to say. And Minnesota still only put up four, five more points than them. Yeah. Um, so kind of an even game. I haven't really dove into the box score of that game necessarily. Um, but it's definitely doable. Like if the if the defense comes with a, a game plan similar to what they have against uh, what they had against Illinois, then it just comes down to the offense, and that's where the question marks remain. Definitely, um, yeah. I think we we talked before the show, and I think we kind of view this in a similar light. Where um, I mean, Nebraska's up when Casey went out in that Illinois game, um, and. I'd probably still give the edge to Illinois um, if you froze the game at that period of time. I don't know. I mean, I was, I was, Nebraska was up three with the ball. They had hung in that game, so who knows? Um, but I kind of feel the same way about this game where if we got a fully healthy Casey Thompson, I would probably peg Minnesota as like a three to four point favorite. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas would be a little higher on them. Yeah. Um, but I'd expect a one score game, one that Nebraska certainly has a solid chance of winning. Um, that they're more likely going to lose, but we've seen them win close games this year. Um, but yeah, definitely his expected absence, or at least um, kind of being, I don't want to say shelve himself, but mm-hmm. um, not 100%. That definitely puts a damper on Nebraska's chances. Um, and yeah, definitely definitely doesn't have um, the fan base, from what I've perceived outwardly, super confident in this game. No, and even if he does come back, I think the severity of an injury because I mean he has shown to fight back into games when he has had I mean there have been times where he's been on the field for multiple minutes still finds his way back on the field that's why when he went down and didn't come back I'm kind of sitting there like this this could be something serious um you know we saw that same thing with Martinez last year where he'd always get hurt and come back yeah and eventually it was like he has a really bad injury that he's been kind of playing through this whole time um I think it you're what you said about nine it was nine to six I, tell me if I'm wrong. You tell me, tell us before the game that Illinois scores 26 points, under 400 yards of offense, which is an improvement for Nebraska's defense. Not obviously still good, but an improvement to say the least. And Thompson has 173 passing yards through halfway through the second quarter. Yeah, I'm pick. I'm saying that's a pretty close game, and I might even say Nebraska finds a way to pull that out. That's exactly the recipe that they needed to win that game. The extra, you know, impact of Thompson going down again. We could say it a million times. That was the storyline of the game, and there wasn't much else Nebraska could do afterwards. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska moved the ball like no other against Illinois this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it remains to be seen if Illinois really is the best defense in college football. Yeah. Um, I think they're they're pretty for real. They're I mean, for real. I'm excited for that Minnesota or Michigan-Illinois yeah, game. That's that going to be, be incredible. That just feels like, I don't know, 20 to 13 Michigan win or yeah. something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that – you can't really chalk that up as a gimme for for the Wolverines anymore. Um, yeah, I mean it's it'll it'll be interesting um, see how much Nebraska dials back their offense, their play calling, um, and time of possession is definitely something I'm looking at pretty closely mm-hmm. here. Um, sorry, uh, Minnesota actually leapfrogged Illinois this past week in that department. <laughs> Um, and that was after after Illinois. Illinois put up 40 minutes on Nebraska. Yeah, I think Illinois had 39 minutes against Nebraska, and Minnesota just edged them because they had the ball for 41 minutes <laughs> against Rutgers. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, I mean that can't happen if Nebraska wants to win this game. It no, just can't happen. And that's what people were saying going into last week against Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nebraska, I mean, Mickey Joseph outwardly said that he's not paying that close attention <laughs> to that because he does he can't like. I mean, he made a solid point, and I think we might have talked about this in the pod last week. But he had said like, I can't just go tell the offense, hey, score in right. three minutes, don't score in one, um, because when you have that explosive an offense, and especially that explosive of an that inconsistent of an explosive offense like Nebraska is you can't I guess pick and choose how you score the touchdowns you just accept them when they come um but yeah this week Nebraska you would think would definitely be paying close attention to the time of possession um defensively that looks like hopefully stopping Minnesota's rush attack to some extent um we saw them one of the more impressive things Nebraska did all game last week besides their Downfield passing attack without Trey Palmer doing anything was their ability to um, limit Chase Brown to like one or two yard gains mm-hmm. on first and second down. Um, so I'm curious to see if they can do that because that would set up third and long for Minnesota. Um, Minnesota is first in the nation in third down percentage, like 60%, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what that looks like for Nebraska defensively. And then offensively, if they can establish that ground attack, they would just, they would absolutely love a massive performance from anthony grant or at least like a stable they're gonna need that yeah um and see if nebraska can limit turnovers establish the ground game which they haven't really leaned toward um how how realistic do you think it is that nebraska does like establish a pretty solid ground attack it's hard to know because it hasn't really been there the last couple weeks and and part of that's just because the offense has not really needed it to to be honest um so you can't really blame Anthony Grant for not running the ball well in the Purdue game because they didn't need to run the ball. But the end against Illinois, you still can't really chalk it up because it's a great run defense. But they even when the quarterback was out, it still seemed like they were relying on Purdy to throw the ball instead of just handing it off to Grant three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't trust them to get it going against Minnesota, maybe against another opponent if that was this week, but probably not against uh, Minnesota. And, and the thing, the comparison of the two running games, we've talked about Ibrahim. They have other guys, too, that can yeah. do it. Um, and I don't think Nebraska has another guy that can do that right now. Obviously, we got Ramir Johnson on target last week. We were excited about that. Um, don't know if he's going to get fault, any more touches. He dropped it. He was a little behind him. <laughs> it was a little behind him, but, um, you know, not the best look for a guy we've been clamoring for all year. And, and uh, that was kind of the swing in the game. Um, but the depth at the running back position for Minnesota is far greater than Nebraska at this point. Um, so I, I just the, – the comparison there, if you get into a slugfest, let's look at the running game. I like Minnesota's a lot better. Definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of hit on that. They've got – so they've got, I think, three of their top five guys back from last year, and it's still been incredible. Um, Mo Ibrahim had that, like, 150-yard performance – last year in the opener against Ohio State and got hurt in the third quarter, um, missed the rest of the season. And then they had a few guys, um, I might butcher these names, but I think it was Kai Thomas, transferred to KU, Marquise Irving, transferred mm-hmm. to Oregon. He's Bucky Irving. Really well I was there. going to mention him. He was incredible last year and still is doing very well this year. Yeah, but you almost like see why now. It's like they must have seen the writing on the wall that, especially with Mo Ibrahim there, they weren't going to be the top guy. But Trey Potts was the guy they turned to after he Ibrahim got hurt last year. 
Um, he had over 500 yards in five games before getting hurt himself. And then they also have a guy who's been a long-term backup. Um, I'd say like perfect third option in Bryce Williams. So Nebraska, yeah, definitely starting at a position of deficit um, in the rushing battle if that's the way they want to take this game. Um, which Mickey had said uh, at the media availability yesterday, he's, he pretty much specifically said um, we're definitely going to need to look at running the ball more. You mm. know, we've been a pass-heavy team. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of why you said Logan Smothers is the choice there at quarterback. Mm. I mean, that's that's the element he if brings. If they have to possess the ball, Smothers is going to be able to possess the ball yeah. better than Purdy, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Purdy's a solid runner. Um so is Casey Thompson, but Smothers is a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'd say even more so than dual threat. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska still has some of those r- option wrinkles in his playbook um, with Scott Frost gone, with a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Because, um, yeah, I mean, last year Smothers looked pretty good for – he looked – Against re- one of the best defenses in the country in that game. Granted, it was the last yeah. game of the season, but – Still, for a for a guy making his first start against an Iowa defense that has made C.J. Stroud look eh for a half, so yeah. yeah, yeah, he was excellent for three quarters. Had Nebraska up. He had he had a pretty costly fumble, but you'll give a first time starter one turnover. Um, and then when it seemed like the momentum had already shifted, he threw a pick. Yeah, um, he can't stop a punt, uh, punt block though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, that that was definitely the worst of the Eagles. <laughs> but yeah, he looked good in that, and we thought. I don't know. I I think I felt pretty okay at that point with the possibility of Logan Smothers being Nebraska's quarterback this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they brought in Casey, and Casey's been pretty darn good. Um, but I think the biggest concern, like it's, it all sounds so great on paper um, that Nebraska could establish that ground attack possibly with Logan Smothers. But the concern is one, they don't really have the defense to right. stay in that kind of back and forth. And that's what they had last year. Yeah, low scoring game. And that's how they were able to support him last year when they should have beat that 10-win Iowa team. Um, and also the offensive line was pretty poor last year, um, but it's really bad this year. And I don't know that it can support that kind of ground game. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely interesting to see um, because, you know, against Minnesota, you want to you have the advantage in the passing attack if Thompson plays with the weapons. But – don't know how much we're we're gonna see Nebraska use those weapons because I don't trust either Smothers or Purdy, even though I do like Smothers more at this point, to get the ball downfield to Palmer on an 80-yard touchdown. And um, Minnesota has a has a little bit of a tendency to uh, turn the ball over. Um, last week, I know um, uh, Tyler Newbin, I believe that's how you say it. Um, he had two picks. I know you mentioned him. Do, do you expect, even if Thompson doesn't play, do you expect this to kind of be a turnover fest again where we see, um, you know, we saw four last week against a, tur- a good turnover defense. Um, do you see that same thing happening this week against Minnesota? I mean, it kind of depends who the quarterback is, right? right? Um, I think, I think, I don't know that he presents the highest upside, but again, I think Logan Smothers um, has less downside than Chuba and maybe even less downside than a banged up Casey Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Casey we've seen has made some, made some ill-advised decisions. Um, he definitely gives Nebraska the potential that those other guys don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Nebraska keeps the ball on the ground, um, throws Smothers 15, 20 times, you're probably getting one turnover for the game. Um, so to answer your question, I, I definitely don't see a four turnover game. Um, we've seen weirder things from Nebraska, but 
Um, I don't see a repeat of that. I'd expect one or two. Um, but yeah, that's 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 probably the greatest strength of that t- this team, this Minnesota team, is that secondary you're talking about. Um, and I want to make sure I'm right, but I th- it's it'd probably be unfair to say they're better than Illinois secondary. But this is a back end that's pretty much on par with the Fighting Illini as being. I'd go as far as to say maybe a top 10 unit nationally. Um, Tyler Newbin, they've got um, another very strong safety in Jordan Howden. Um, the cornerbacks are really strong. Uh, Justin Wally, and I think the other one is, last name is Terrell. These are dudes who are ball hawks. Um, they are, I mean, they've shown blanket coverage most of this year in shutting down other receivers. And um, their pass defense is the better I think both rate top 20 in yards allowed, pass and rush defense, but the pass defense is what Minnesota hangs its hat on. Yeah. Anything else, any big other takeaways that you want to talk about from uh, your research into Minnesota before we get into basketball here? No. um, I mean, I think last thing I'd say is Minnesota's um, offense is, is, is pretty decent. We maybe didn't give them enough credit. They average over 30 points a game. Um, Kirk Soraka, after he came back, after leaving for Penn State, um, has gotten him on the Wait, right did, track. Did he leave after they beat Penn State in that 2019 game for Penn State? It would I, have been then. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he was a defector and then a returnee. Um, and yeah, but I still think, I think this is set up to be, and this could be the case because Nebraska can't stop the run, but I think this is set up to be a pretty low passing total for Minnesota's offense this yeah. week. Um, Tyler Morgan, as you talked about, has been banged up. Um, Chris Oppenbell, the top receiver, is gone. And they've still got some solid receivers. Brevin Spanford is one of the better tight ends in the conference. But um, I definitely – I'd probably take the under for 200 pass yards for Minnesota um, and probably like 150. So, mm. yeah, it'll be a matter of how Nebraska establishes the ground game, how they limit turnovers, and um, how they stop the – ground game on defense it's it's i mean we'll get into our score predictions and our in our score predictions later that come out this week but minnesota has blown out every team they've beaten i think the smallest margin of victory was 31 and that was Rutgers and michigan state um or michigan state was a little less than that michigan state's like 27 so in every game they win they blow out their opponent and then they look ugly and lose so that does not bode well for nebraska I still don't see a blowout, though. I'm not sure. I don't see Minnesota just handling Nebraska. It's certainly possible. Nebraska hasn't really been handled, even by Illinois, um, other than the Oklahoma game, which was, yeah. you know, I think you can throw out at this point. Yeah. Um, I'll drop a score prediction right now, right. Um, given it'll be out. I mean, again, I might change this, but um, assuming we get a hobbled Casey Thompson – um, actually, I'm going to assume we get someone else, um, or at the very best for Nebraska, how about Casey Thompson? I'm going to go Minnesota 23 to 13. Um, I think if Nebraska tries to match Minnesota's style, it's at a, obviously kind of at a deficit. Um, it's operating at a disadvantage. And so I'd take Minnesota winning, um, not, not going, not like winning going away, but okay. I'd take them with a comfortable, like 10 point win, not covering, but, um. Yeah, normally I, I won't have my score prediction right now, but normally I would say them coming here, they're, you know, Minnesota not exactly used to a ruckus environment. Um, but, again, don't know how ruckus that environment's going to be on Saturday. Yeah. After kind of a disappointing environment last week and kind of you can see the 
trajectory of the season kind of crashing down. Um, but as the, as the football season kind of comes to an end here, um, you know, another Nebraska sport is starting up, one I know you are very excited about. The, the results of Nebraska basketball may not be much better than football this season, but it's a blank slate right now. <laughs> and, you know, they can only go up from here. Um, how are you feeling about basketball starting up next Monday against Omaha in-state? Not rival, but uh, in-state opponent. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um, I mean, I my my answer always changes depending on the season. I think college football is my favorite sport, but I'll probably say college basketball in a few months. Once, yeah, um, once you're in the middle of it, I, I kind of feel the same way. On that. Yeah, and that might be different if I grew up in a place. I, I've always kind of thought that might be different if I grew up in a place where college football was less strong, mm-hmm. um, tradition wise, and whatnot than the Midwest. But um, yeah, this is. This is certainly another Nebraska sport. There's not a whole lot <laughs> else you can say about this Nebraska team. However, I want to say, I think, I don't know that this is like a scalding hot take or anything, but I think this team is going to be Fred's best. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to take advantage of um, a pretty watered-down Big Ten this year. Right. Um, there's, I think, only one or two AP Top 25 teams um, and the top, the favorite is Indiana, who was a first round out last year, um, and pretty much is just returning their core. But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, Nebraska showed some fight last year. They've got a roster that suits that more, and all the inclinations from Fred Hoiberg um, is that he's leaning defense first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was kind of their strangely their identity in 2020. Um, but yeah. Like, we saw Nebraska beat some good teams, beat some ranked teams at the end of last year. Um, I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll see them more often beating the teams they should. I don't think they'll be last in the Big Ten. I don't think they'll be a winning team either. I think they're going to go, like, 15 and 17, 14 and 18, something like that. I don't think that's a hot take. It's definitely... That would be exciting. Maybe maybe it skews optimistic. Okay, yeah, Yeah, that's that's fair. in doing my research for my roster preview that'll be out um, this week, kind of interesting to see how much change there is going to be on this roster. Obviously, both of the McGowans are gone. Verge is gone. A lot of those seniors are gone. But I I, I kind of like some of the guys they've brought in here. Um, the team is very I, – I, we were talking about it before. There are a lot of pieces, and I, we don't really know where those pieces are going to fit in as of now. But it seems like, and at least in my opinion, there's more depth than last year. Um, obviously, there was the big flashy guy in McGowan's last year, but without a depth in a Big Ten where you're already one of the worst teams coming in, it's hard to win without that depth. Um, and I think it's better this year than last year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, another thing we were talking about before the pod, which we should probably save this type of dialogue for the pod, um, <laughs> but I think I think this team is like deeper one through like one through eight or so um, than any of Floyberg's teams have been. Um, I think it's – I, I kind of like that there's, like, no set, like, top player. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like Sam Greasel's kind of been taking the lead um, in being a leader. Um, but uh, As he should. He's his fifth-year senior. But Yeah, he, he's a Lincoln kid. He's He's been a three-year starter at a lower level. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's not giving Nebraska's best player by the end of the season, at least if the season goes as Hoiberg hopes. <laughs> um, and – yeah, it'll be interesting to see who steps up. There's like four or five dudes who I could see being the best Nebraska basketball player this season. And that's kind of exciting going yeah. into the season 
um, with a little of that uncertainty. Yeah, there's more question marks, but that opens the door for more potential. Last year, we kind of knew what we had going into it. Um, We just didn't know how good McGowan's would be, and it didn't really matter how good McGowan's was uh, because ultimately it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough around him. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for. I'm a huge CJ Wilcher guy. I loved what he what he prevent, presented last year. I'm excited for him to you know get more production. He started two games last year. Um, was one of the most productive guys on his time on the court. Um, incredible from three, and I think he he has the potential to jump into one of those top tier guys. Um, him and and uh, Walker are really the only guys that played significant time. I know Tominaga had. You know, he had some playing time, but he was very inconsistent. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how, you know, he's going to be one of the veterans on this team. They brought in a lot of veteran transfers, but they don't have that Lincoln experience. So I'm excited for Wiltshire. Um, is there anyone else on the roster that you are particularly excited about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the top guys that I, um, I'm i most excited to see are Ramel Lloyd, the four-star freshman, mm-hmm. who is really a pretty big snag for Nebraska um, kid out of Sierra Canyon, um, played with Bronny, obviously played, I mean, he was, he was one of the top dogs on that team and picked the Huskers over, I think it was like Arkansas, Oregon, Georgetown, definitely some more historic programs. Ones in playing time. Yeah. Um, but I was a little disappointed to see him only play. I think he played lower. I think he played like 13 minutes in that scrimmage, um, which doesn't tell us everything. Um, in the exhibition or the the exhibition, okay. yeah, yeah, that exhibition lost to Colorado on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Never a good look, but no, I guess. Colorado's solid. Kind of, I, mean, I guess, kind of just rolling out your team, but it's not yeah. always fun to lose in an exhi- exhibition match. No, well, because last year Nebraska beat at Colorado by like twenty, right. in the exhibition. So everyone's like, "Oh my god, this team, this like verifies everything we." Because Colorado come off a tournament appearance yeah. in the previous year, yeah. And people thought Nebraska was going to be a tournament team, and that obviously didn't happen. So maybe it's good they started out with an exhibition loss. Right. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, Ramel Lloyd, um, curious to see how he steps in. He's he's no Bryce McGowan's five star, but he's still um, I'm almost positive one of the five biggest Husker basketball recruits ever, at least in like the two four seven era. era. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other guy I'm most intrigued to see is Emmanuel Ban- Bandomo. Um, I think I mispronounced that last name, but um, we'll learn it within the next couple mm, weeks. Yeah. Um, he is a shooting guard by way of SMU. Um, they were a top-seeded NIT team last year, so he's played on winning basketball teams, I think it would be fair to say. Um, and he's a sniper, which um, might give Husker fans some pause because we've we've seen they've gotten a number of guys billed as being snipers in the past. Yeah. With, Kaye probably foremost among them. Yeah. Um, CJ Wilcher, who got off to a slow start but turned it on. Um, but yeah, I think I think Emmanuel is set to be um, probably. I'd say he'll probably be one of the top two scorers on this team, um, at least top three, and maybe the best shooter and at least a capable defender. Yeah, if Horberg's going to drop, you know, a million three plays a game, we're going to need to see some uh, production there, and, and maybe he can fill that spot. Yeah. Um, I think the experience is interesting. You mentioned SMU. They haven't made the tournament while he was there. But Greasel and Juwan Gary have both tournament experience, which is something that Nebraska players yeah. are not accustomed to. Um, obviously not in Hoiberg's time anywhere close to that. So, again, veteran leadership. Maybe, you know, we, you know, you could say you had that last year too. So going into the year, 
maybe, you know, it's not too like, oh, they have veteran leadership. They haven't had this in the past. Um, but I, I still think it's a, it's an advantage. I'm excited how the post play post is going to play out. Um, you know, Walker really turned it on at the end of last year. Yep. He had a really great end of the season. So I, I'm looking forward to him to kind of step up his game even more. He's, you know, only gotten better as it comes. Um, Breidenbach comes back. Um, and there's a couple other guys in there that could make, you know, impact at the forward position. That's something that they were severely lacking, especially at the beginning of last year. Um, so I'm looking forward to how that position is going to go. Anything else you want to touch on with Nebraska ball before uh, we get out of here? No. Um, I think we'll, yeah, we'll definitely touch more on this team um, and probably the women's team yeah, next definitely. week after, after they've got a game under their belt. Um, we'll have to have some of the women's beat writers on soon because that team is absolutely that team is preseason top 25. Um, but yeah, it'll be, they play, they tip off their season Monday at home against Maine. Um, the women tip off Monday at noon, a little earlier against Omaha. Um, so curious to see how that goes. And we will definitely hit on this team a little more next week. Yeah. Winter sports are just around the corner. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will be back next week to talk starting Nebraska season, um, talk about the Minnesota football game and some other things going into uh, Michigan week, which is probably not a good sign for Nebraska football. <laughs> probably doesn't warrant as much conversation as <laughs> right. we give this week. Which you could even argue about this week. but Yeah, that's fair. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will see you then.